Hi, I'm Peter Mullen from Mullen Natural Health Centre. Have you ever thought about coming to see a naturopath but weren't sure if we could help? Why not try our free 15-minute phone consultations? Call 4961 4075 or go to mullenhealth.com.au for details. We love this time of the week. We bring in one of the most stylish-looking men around the Newcastle area, <laughs> Peter Mullen. Good afternoon, sir. <laughs> well, that's a lovely intro. Mark. I'm working on my intros for the different guests, and I, th- <laughs> I think we might have yours just about okay. We've got a smile on his face. That's a start. <laughs> Peter, this afternoon, we've got a topic that's very, very serious, and it's a big health concern in Australia, isn't it? Yeah, it's a massive, it's a massive thing. Um, you know, basically, it's been estimated that 280... Australians develop diabetes every day. So that's one person every five minutes. So today we're going to talk about um, insulin resistance particularly because someone can have insulin resistance for 10 years before they're actually diagnosed with diabetes and a lot can be done to um, help. So very big topic. Peter, diabetes, that huge topic that we're talking about today. You want to sort of take us back to the start though, don't you? And insulin resistance is one of those very important things. So what do we need to know about it? Well, for, it can take someone can have insulin resistance for ten years before they're actually diagnosed with diabetes. Okay, and um, with insulin resistance, um, you know, it's estimated that almost half of the adult population is either pre-diabetic, which would be insulin resistant, wow, or diabetic. On. Half of the population. Yes, half of the adult population. Wow, that's a bit scary. Uh, look, it's, it's they're amazing stats, and. Um, you know, often years ago, or years can go by before a diagnosis is made. It costs us in Australia. So more than a hundred thousand Australians have developed diabetes in the past year, and cost-wise, it's been estimated that the total annual cost of um, on the impact of diabetes in Australia is estimated at fourteen point six billion dollars. Now, the amazing thing, and today we're talking about insulin resistance and type two insulin. Type 2 diabetes is classed as a dietary and lifestyle condition. Okay. So, so, so is, how does it fit in? Why is it? It is avoidable. Yeah. And um, it is manageable. And, you know, we could be saving. It's one of the fastest growing conditions in the Western world. And, of course, it's associated with obesity and weight gain. Mm. So it's a massive problem. And the, what happens with insulin resistance? So when we eat carbs, we've talked about this a bit before. When you eat carbs, say, um, something with sugar in it or even just a slice of bread, Carbohydrates break down in the bloodstream to glucose, which is a simple form of sugar. So when they talk about blood sugar, they're talking about glucose. Your pancreas senses glucose in the blood. It sends out insulin. The insulin grabs hold of the glucose, takes it to your cells, a door opens, and the glucose goes into the cell where it's burnt for fuel. And the insulin goes back then to get more glucose. So it's like a little train. It's like a little train. Now, what happens, though, is that this train really gets flogged. You know, if we eat more carbohydrates than what's ideal for us over a long-term period, the cells develop more and more insulin receptors, and the insulin receptors are the like the little lock on the cell that the insulin comes along and opens to allow the glucose to go into the cell. So the higher the level of circulating glucose or, or sugar over a long-term period, the more of these insulin receptors a person develops. Now... After a while, these insulin receptors start to fail. So what you find now is your pancreas is still producing insulin. The insulin is going. It's taking the glucose out of the blood into the cells. But it's not, there's not enough insulin receptors working now. So you've got to produce the, so the pancreas reacts by producing more and more insulin. 
So insulin resistance then is where we start to see elevated levels of insulin in the blood indicating that that system is starting to fail and that's what we can see for 10 years before someone's finally diagnosed as diabetic where we then see the so once the so the insulin it takes more and more insulin to keep the sugar in, out out of, into the cell um, and you know for a long time you'll have a blood test and your sugar levels will appear normal or the doctor will say look your sugar's a little bit on the high side but by that stage, someone's already got insulin resistance. So the doctor really needs to do a test and check someone's insulin levels because what insulin does, insulin promotes inflammation. It promotes fat gain. So if you've got elevated levels of insulin and you're trying to lose weight, insulin resistance makes it very difficult to get into fat burning. So that's a double whammy. Right double there. whammy. So with all of that happening in the background, um, are there some symptoms that may come into play there? Like some things that we go, hang on, I'm feeling a bit this, that and the other. Maybe insulin is the key. Yeah, look, obviously, um, so so the, the big point I guess I'm trying to make today is that if you've ever had ever been told that your blood sugar is on the higher side of normal, you need to get your insulin checked and then you need to get serious about reorganising your diet and lifestyle to reverse that because otherwise you will most likely end up with diabetes. But if we if we take care of everything in that this magical 10-year period, I mean, Absolutely. we can reverse it and we can be on the road to living a rel- relatively healthy life. Oh, look, the, the complications of diabetes, and we'll get, we might mm. get into the, the symptoms of insulin resistance next, but the complication of diabetes is, or one of the reasons that sugar is so, glucose is so bad for us is that even a little bit of glucose in our bloodstream causes damage. It sticks to arterial walls, it sticks to nerve endings in our feet and causes nerve damage. So, you know, diabetics talk about what's called peripheral neuropathy, where there's nerve death in the periphery. That's because glucose is actually sticking to those nerve endings and causing damage. So, so if what would we be looking out for there? Like, what would, how would I know that I'm in that category? Or if you were getting suffering from peripheral yeah. neuropathy, it'd be if you're, if you're, you know, you might be carrying a bit more weight around the middle. Um, you might have been told your blood sugar's been on the higher side. And you might be starting to get pins and needles and tingling in your in your in your feet. Okay, so that would be a big clue, right? That there. That would be a big clue that you need to get checked out further. We're just here with Peter Mullen. Diabetes is the topic today, Peter. It's a pretty heavy one. Look, it is, and as we were saying before, it's something everyone needs to be conscious of, particularly if there's a family history. Mm-hmm. You know, if Mum had diabetes or Dad had diabetes or Nan and Pop, then um, you know there's a greater potential that you're going to head down that pathway. So it gives us family history is not something to be scared of. Like mm-hmm. genes are only a small percentage of our overall health outcome, but it gives I, us clues. I guess as well, considering I'm a glass half full kind of guy, I'll say that if there is some family history, that if you take control of that knowledge and say, well, my family history is A, B and C, you know there's some things you need to jump on top of. Yeah, absolutely. Did you like that? I'm, I'm that being, I did. I'm being I did. positive. Rob, Rob said you were, lived in a glass house. I didn't know about glasses half full, but yeah, yeah, it could been, go either it's way. It's been said of me before that you know some say the glass is half full, say it's uh, half empty. Mark is still yet to acknowledge the existence of the glass. So. <laughs> Peter, back on some of those symptoms because you mentioned we've got that ten year or so period before we're actually into diabetes. So Absolutely. We, uh, what are some of those things that that we could be looking out for that may be a bit of an alarm bell in our mind? Number one would be you know where your glucose levels, your fasting glucose, mm-hmm. which is your first sugar readings in the morning, are sitting higher than ideal. So anything above 5.5 consistently to me would already start to indicate that 
earnest of fasting, so it should be lower than that, that you may be starting to have early signs of insulin resistance. So as I said, getting your insulin levels tested. Um, people that carry a lot of weight around their tummy, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's considered a risk factor for insulin. Um, any indication of things like a fatty a fatty liver, you know, which we're seeing a lot more of these days. Um, easy weight gain, difficulty losing weight. Um, you know, in the later stages, there's, you know, thirst, um, always hungry, uh, fluid retention. Okay. Um, PCOS in women, polycystic ovarian syndromes, very much associated with insulin resistance and um, um, blood sugar dysregulation. Okay. Um, male um, hormonal imbalance, such as things like erectile dysfunction. Okay, so they're things that may put you in a in an area where you have to pay attention. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, look, male male um, hormonal health is something that you know is can be contributed to by a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking before about your um, <laughs> your dating app, talking about all things male. Yeah, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, Peter decided, you know, I'm going to throw Mark under a bus, and uh, he said, help you know, him out, help him out. He I says, was thinking. and what did you say? Oh, if you're looking for a date with Mark, um, have a look at the webcam, check him out, and then give us a call. And um, phone went very quiet. And I, I had a, well, I, we are the the lines are still <laughs> open. If anyone out there would like a date with Mark, or if they have a granddaughter or a daughter, okay. you know, I think that it's nice to share the. Enthusiasm. Okay, four nine two one six two one six is the number for that and other health questions. <laughs> I'm the I'm the person in the. There's three people in the studio. I'm one, the one with the grey shirt on. Um, I'm one of the two people sitting down. Uh, that Peter is the like a disclaimer. Peter Rob, is the me. Peter is the Adonis that's sitting next to me. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> Are you finished? And actually, to thinking about that, um, yeah. uh, female pattern baldness. We're is, back to diabetes now. Yeah, of course, talking about mm. my um, lack of hair, mm -hmm. um, but not diabetes. That's different. Um, frequent increased urination, um, compulsive overeating or food addiction. Well, I've had that all my life. Yeah, well, it's a massive problem. You know, we see that. I see that with a lot of patients where um, they're really in a bad cycle, and particularly where you're craving carbs. Um, it's been linked to things like anxiety and depression. Um, anyone that has a, a history of yeast or candida overgrowth, like um, fungal nails, um, um, women that get recurring thrush. So sugar tends to feed yeast and candida, so you can get these sort of overgrowths, uh, irritable bowel type stuff, chronic fatigue or low energy. Um, a really big one is um, brain fog or difficulty focusing. Often there'll be blood sugar related issues associated with that. Um, skin tags, you know what skin tags are? Yeah. Yep. yeah. So skin tags can be a sign, early sign of insulin resistance and pre-diabetes. People don't realize that, you know, when they get them under their arm or in their neck crease or wherever. And... Um, a really common one, I had someone come in recently and um, she was suffering from a, um, a leg ulcer and with leg ulcers and she was, she was an elderly person with leg ulcers. Um, traditionally, they can be, they take a long time. They can take a long time to heal because of where they are. Um, this lady was also suffering um, fluid retention um, and her sugar was sitting on the higher side of normal. Um, but what we found was that when we tested her insulin, her insulin was really, really high. So she was right on the edge of developing diabetes, didn't even know it. And a lot of her other symptoms of you know fatigue, brain fog, couldn't lose weight no matter what. Um, and I think issues around anxiety and sleep problems as well. I'd relate a lot of that back to her insulin resistance and poor blood sugar regulation, and particularly the slow healing of the... Um, so slow healing wounds, basically, is a long story. Short is that um, if you've got wounds that are taking a long time to heal, can be a sign of 
early stages of blood sugar levels rising and or insulin levels, insulin resistance. If we find ourselves going down the road of, I've got these symptoms, perhaps I might be on the road, there are some really cool things we can do to reverse it, can't we? Yeah, look, absolutely. Just before we go into that, I just thought of something that um, is a bit of a common misconception when people have blood sugar issues. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the symptoms that we see a lot of is where someone's blood sugar levels are starting to get too high and the insulin is not working anymore and starting to cause more damage. A lot of people suffer symptoms of low, seemingly low blood sugar. And so you'd think that that must be the opposite condition to diabetes. But low blood sugar is caused by, again, dysfunctioning of the pancreas where there's too much insulin being produced, drops the sugar levels too low and too quickly. So people get symptoms of low blood sugar where they get a bit hangry, you know, combination of hungry and angry where they've got to eat when they've got to eat they get a bit shaky or tired. So traditionally people think, well, that's got nothing to do with diabetes, but it's actually can precede then insulin resistance or insulin receptor failure. So any signs of carbohydrate dysregulation is important to get checked out. Whether it's high or low, just get checked out. Whether it's high or low, um, you know, we need to really be looking at, um, you know, and and obviously uh, like diabetes and insulin resistance is caused primarily by an excess of carbohydrates in the diet. So obviously diet's the cornerstone. Improving your diet's the cornerstone to getting better blood sugar management. You're better off to prevent diabetes when you don't have it rather than wait till you have it and then it's going to be a lot harder. So we're talking again about that 10-year period often of insulin resistance before you're finally diagnosed with diabetes. Improve your diet. Avoid highly refined or processed carbs. So I always say to um, you know my insulin-resistant patients, you really need to get off your cereals and grains as much as possible. Bread's a big offender. You know, it's formed the staple of our diet and... You know, two slices, two slices of bread, you know, can have quite, give you quite a whack of sugar or glucose. People don't realize that. Um, sugary drinks, you know, should just be banned. No one should drink sugary drinks because there's absolutely no nutritional value and they're just chockers full of sugar. I'm off those at the moment. Um, Couple of weeks. I'm doing good. Yeah, awesome. So you need to keep off that. I got no encouragement from Peter there. It's like <laughs> two weeks, you should be able to do two weeks standing on your head. <laughs> Yeah, good. Yeah, basically, mate. basically, the idea is choose foods that are closer to nature: fresh vegetables, nuts, seeds, good quality fats and proteins from organic meat, fish, eggs, avocado, olive oil. Um, so, keeping your cereals and grains to a minimum. But one of the one of the benefits of um, you know sometimes seeing a naturopath or seeing someone a health coach that can help you work through this. There's a lot of information on the net about what we should eat. Sometimes we need the commitment of sitting down with someone, going through a meal plan, doing food diaries, and really work to improve your diet over a period of time. We're all about trying to form new habits because invariably what happens, we can all get a bit excited and change our diet for two weeks, like your soft drink story. But then unless we've got some new habits in place or a plan, we can slip back to old habits pretty quick. So keep that in mind. Like, you know, maybe you need to go and see someone about your soft drink problem. <laughs> okay. Anyway, number two. That's two buses I've been thrown <laughs> under by Peter today, but thank you. Some number other things two. we can be doing, maybe losing some weight. Yeah, absolutely. Like the difference, dropping five to ten kilos can be the difference between being diagnosed with diabetes or not being diagnosed with diabetes. So healthy weight management is absolutely critical. Um Hydration, really important. When you're dehydrated, your liver's the most sensitive organ to dehydration. Um, And 
if you become dehydrated, your liver will actually secrete a hormone that increases blood sugar levels. So you want to make sure that you keep your um, fluid levels good. Sometimes when you feel hungry, you may actually be thirsty. So if you feel hungry, have a big drink of water first and see if that actually satisfies you. Exercise. Exercise, I call, is really the secret weapon in getting to um, um, manage blood sugar issues more effectively. Um, you know, I was talking before about insulin, you know, is like the key and the receptors are like the lock and it comes along and opens it up and the glucose goes into the cell. So it's quite a complex little chain of events. When you exercise, when you go for a walk or run or swim, it kind of opens up the back door of the cell and the glucose goes straight into the cell. So doing 30 to 45 minutes of exercise a day makes a massive difference in really managing any excess glucose that's not being cleared effectively. By the sound of things, that's almost, the, almost no pun intended, it's almost the key. Yeah, it, look, it is. It's the secret, secret weapon on top of the diet. Um, stress is a classic. You know, everybody knows someone who's stressed these days. Um, excess stress raises cortisol, a long-term stress coping hormone, which in turn will raise um, blood sugar levels. Um, so, you know, and it also too increases your cravings for carbs and sugary foods because they give us that dopamine response in the brain. So the unfortunate thing with sugar and carbs is they actually have a, a biochemical response in our brain that gets us into an addicted loop with them. That's why we have such issues in our society with um, weight and weight gain because these foods get us hooked the stress drives all of these things. The, the stress is like a double absolutely. whammy, isn't it? If, you're already, if we're already on them because our Western diet is programmed that way, yeah. then you get a little, or a lot stressed with something and then it's boom, you need some more Well, what we food. work out pretty early on is that when you have sugar and sweet foods, it triggers the dopamine or reward centers in your brain. Mm. So it's actually like coming home from work after a stressful day, having something sweet, <clears throat> excuse me, is is like going home and having some sort of, um, drug or narcotic because it actually straight away helps you to feel better in the brain. So it's such a vicious loop. We need to find alternatives and ways to break these patterns. And finally, a good night's sleep doesn't uh, go astray either. Look, sleep is the best anti-inflammatory thing we'll ever do. You know, being able to turn off of the night time, the hours before sleep that count. Like, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, all of these things are how we've just evolved naturally. We have to sleep. We have to eat, we have to move, we have to drink water. So these are all processes, these are all natural processes that we should be all doing. And the unfortunate thing, the biggest thing that our Western lifestyle does is it makes it harder to stick with this normal, healthy, like this is our evolutionary pattern of health and well-being. Peter, some great advice there. I know that most of us are probably not doing the right thing on all of that list, but if we can move down that road, uh, we can at least turn around. If we're on the road to diabetes or indeed a whole host of other health conditions, we can sort of go the other way. Yeah, look, absolutely. It's, it's a condition and a, a situation that is totally, for the most part, totally reversible. Um, and as I said, you're better off to try and do something about it before you're actually diagnosed with diabetes. We've got a caller for you, Peter. Janet, you've got some uh, a call about stress. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Peter. Hi, Janet. Um, I have an autoimmune disorder called Sjogren's. Yes. And I find stress really plays havoc. Yes. Um, and one of the things I'm, I'm sort of battling with at the moment with a stressful situation is that I'm my mouth is really sensitive and it, it sort of feels like there's there's an ulcer forming but nothing really shows. It just gets like like a burning sensation. Yes, yep. Look, um, so, with, yep, sorry. 
You yes, got... I was going to say, is there any suggestions? Yeah, definitely. Do you use any of the solutions to, um, because one of the things with Sjogren's is your immune system's attacking your um, salivary-producing glands in your mouth. So it really right. changes the changes the terrain, changes the bacterial balance, the pH. So there's a lot of um, effects go in there. Do you use any of the solutions to actually, like glycerine, to actually try and um, moisten your mouth? No, not really, because a lot of them have a high percentage of preservatives in them, and I'm reactive to preservatives. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, look, what I would do for starters is I would get onto a really good quality fish oil. Yeah, uh, <coughs> I can't tolerate fish oil. What about flaxseed oil? Uh, that's iffy too. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, look, um, with um, Sjogren's, like you need something to increase the lubrication. So um, the other thing I would consider, if you can't do the oils, can you do coconut oil? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. So I yeah, would do small amounts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just maybe like a third of a teaspoon of coconut oil, and just try and hold it in your mouth, um, maybe three times a day before meals. Yep. And just and swallow it down. Um, I'd also get onto some zinc and vitamin C. Okay. Yeah. I take vitamin C every day, but my zinc. Yeah. Zinc makes, a, zinc makes a massive difference. And um, also to treat the stress, I'd make sure you're getting onto some magnesium as well. Yeah, I take magnesium daily. Yeah, very um, good. As well as, I bath, as well as I bath in it and stuff like that, because sometimes I just feel like I need a big soak. Yeah, okay. Just to get everything hydra- hydrated again. Thank you. Um, very- and thank- I, also, I also drink water with some Celtic sea salt in it too. Uh, very good, very good. Thank you very much, Janice. Some great advice there from Peter. Peter, you've got some talks coming up to round out today, uh, particularly tonight. Uh, you've got the scary truth about carbs and sugar. Yeah, we've got a great talk on tonight about um, natural remedies for helping to manage diabetes and blood sugar issues. And some great info from Kate about, you know, a bit of like what we talked about today, but far more in depth. Okay. And you'll be somewhere on the 11th of July. Uh, yeah, we've got a talk on, on thyroid health on the 11th of July and um, 25th of July. And I'll be talking about this more next week. We're doing a, a, a joint event, a, a charity event for a friend of ours that's been diagnosed with cancer trying to raise some money. So um, I'll talk a bit more about that next week. Okay, we certainly look forward to that. And if you'd like some more details, uh, mullenhealth.com.au, uh, or you can book online as well for there, or you can phone 49614075 to get some details. Peter, next week, what are we talking about? Um, I imagine next week we'll be talking about thyroid issues. Okay, well, we look forward to that. Uh, it's Health and Wellbeing with Peter Mullen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.